0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracetysd.com.
1: Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, "Rejoice for me! Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much um, that you sought us out, um, that you love us. Thank you for bringing us here this morning. Um, thank you for what you have in store from us, um, from your word. Lord, we ask you to speak to us, um, speak through uh, your word to our hearts, uh, Power Randall for clarity, and uh, just give us a, a message from you this morning. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Ethan. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. My name is Randall. If I haven't met you yet, I'm pastor of Grace City. And uh, this morning, we're going to be in Luke 15. Uh, so we're in this series called Lost and Found. And it's a study in the book of Luke, and particularly in Luke 15. Um, Luke 15 is, is one of the most well-known and, and beloved chapters in the Bible. And I'm excited that we're going to be able to study that this morning. Um, so our text for today is Luke 15, 1 through 7. And we are focusing in here on the lost sheep. The lost sheep. Now, why is this passage uh, so beloved and well-known? Well, Jesus here gives his listeners a picture of God's heart for people. Uh, The picture is for the wayward. It's for the inconsistent. It's for the struggling. It's for the frustrated, the burnout, the angry, the confused, even the faithless. And what does Jesus say in these parables? He tells us that God sees you and sees me, and he cares. He sees us and he cares. Uh, Brennan Manning uh, wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, and here's what he says. He says, for those who feel their lives are a grave disappointment to God, it requires enormous trust and reckless raging confidence to accept that the love of Jesus Christ knows no shadow or alteration or change. When Jesus said, "Come to me all you who labor and are heavy uh, burdened," he assumed we would grow weary, discouraged, and disheartened along the way. The words are a touching testimony to the genuine humanness of Jesus, he had no romantic notion of the cost of discipleship. We think about the message of Christianity and who Jesus is and what he came to do, what comes into our minds? Uh, a pastor, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, would, would ask uh, anyone who, who wanted to become a Christian this diagnostic question of whether or not they were ready to become Christians. And the question basically was, are you ready to accept that you are a Christian? And as he looked at these people, uh, some of them would start to get nervous and, and start to say something like this. I do not feel like I'm good enough to be a Christian. And that's when the doctor knew that they didn't understand the message of Christianity. Because the message of Christianity is not whether I'm good enough. But the question is more focused on whether we believe that God is good enough. And that God could come to someone like you and me. See, it's shocking. And that's why Luke 15 is captivating to us. It's this chapter that's linked together by these three parables and stories of this lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son's. And what we need is this whole picture and putting it together to really understand of what it, what it means that God could love us. So today we'll be looking at the first parable, the, the lost sheep. And So our text again is Luke 15, 1 through 7. And so if you've got your Bibles, that's where we're going to be today. We're going to break this text down. But just to give some context and background of what's happening here, Uh, Jesus has been criticized because of his association with outcasts. Uh, We looked at this last week that helped set us up for Luke 15 and Luke 5, 27 through 32. But also we see this in Luke 7, 39, um, and it will happen again in Luke 19, verse 7. Now, Jesus uh, speaks in these parables uh, to illustrate and help us understand spiritual truths and realities. So he takes something that we know or, or know of in the world and he, he, he applies it to the spiritual. And about parables, uh, Craig Blomberg says this. He says, a concise definition of a parable is that uh, it is a short metaphor, uh, metaphorical narrative. It highlights aspects of the kingdom of God. And the parables in Luke 15 are connected by words like, the name of this series, Lost and found, but also words like rejoice and celebrate. Could we imagine that God would be looking for us in our worst state or the place that we are where we think that's my darkest moment and that God could love us in that place, but not only love us, but celebrate and rejoice that we're there. See, that's what these parables are telling us. Commentator Robert Stein says, together the three parables form a tightly knit unit with a single strongly Lucan theme, God's love for outcasts and sinners. And so today, when I say that, does your heart leap? Does your heart rejoice? Are you excited about that? Or does it seem like a message that you say, I've heard that before, or I know a little bit about that and it doesn't really make sense to me? Well, I hope that today as we study this text, it starts to open up a little bit more for us. And so the question that I wanna ask as we jump into this text before we do is that as we study this parable of the lost sheep, do you see yourself in the story? Do you see yourself in the story? Jesus' words address this in three ways by confronting, number one, a common perspective, Number two, the radical picture. And number three, the critical point. So these are three points from our text today, but the common perspective. Second, the radical picture. And third, the critical point. Uh, So the first point we see in verses one through three, this is the common perspective. So here's what it says. It says, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. So what's happening here? Well, what's happening here is there are two groups of people gathering around Jesus. First, it's the tax collectors and sinners. These are the people within society that would be labeled as the immoral, the ones who don't follow the rules But second, there's a second group of people that are gathering around as well. It's the Pharisees and teachers of the law. These are the people that are really the moral people in society. And we see that one group comes and is listening. And another group is muttering. One group is learning. And the other group is complaining. Amongst these two groups, there is a tension. Here's the tension. What's acceptable and what's not acceptable? See, Jesus has been associating with what society calls uh, sinful people, but not just associating with them, but the Pharisees say that he is welcoming them. He's welcoming them to come and be around him. Now, in Jewish uh, circles, what this means is that Jesus is is building a relationship with them. He's he's building a friendship with them. And the Pharisees are the teachers of the law. And so um, here's the thing about the Pharisees. They're, They're not bad people per se, At least we don't see it yet on on the outside. On the outside, everything about them is good. They follow the rules. They're, They're in church. See, these are decent people, religious people. These are the ones who come to church every Sunday. The moral people. Now, are these things bad? No. But what we find is that Jesus isn't about the outside, but he's after the inside. See, what's going on on the inside of these people? A book that I suggested a couple weeks ago, or last week actually, was the book Prodigal God, which is helpful in understanding some of what we're gonna be going through in uh, Luke 15. But about this, uh, from these ideas from the book, uh, Timothy Keller says this, he says, Jesus is saying That if Christianity is rightly understood and uh, rightly uh, proclaimed, it's the only religion in the world that religious people hate. If religious people don't hate it, it's because it's not being proclaimed. It's not being understood. It's not your badness, it's your goodness. It's not your moral failure so much as your moral successes that keep you from God. Do you see the last part there? That keep you from God. See, Jesus isn't just looking at the actions, he's looking at the motives behind the actions, the why. And where do we find the religious people? We see that the sinners and the tax collectors are coming, gathering around Jesus, coming close to Jesus, but we find that the religious moral people are very far from Jesus. See, what does it reveal as Jesus is hanging out with the sinners? It says that the response of the Pharisees is muttering, muttering. Now, the Greek word for this is that they're angrily complaining. Now, it doesn't say specifically uh, all of the mutterings that they have, but probably some of it is like, why are the crowds gathering around them when we are the ones who are the teachers in society? Why is it that Jesus didn't invite us into that inner circle of 12 disciples over there? Because we know them way more than they do. Why didn't he invite us in with, the, and why aren't we the ones that are following him? There's this muttering and complaining. Well, so next, Jesus says, okay, I need to tell you a parable here. And what this is, is a radical picture. Radical picture. Look at verses four through six. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now, what is this? Radical picture tell us uh, well. It tells us a couple things. The first one is that it shows us who we are. It shows us who we are. And remember the question I asked at the beginning. Where do you see yourself in this parable? See, Jesus is giving a us a, a radical visual of what sin really is. See, many of us think that uh, sin is basically breaking the rules. Right? Breaking God's laws, breaking God's commands. Okay. And so we say to ourselves, just don't break the rules. Be a good person and I'm fine. No. Jesus is not saying that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that the essence of sin, what we know as sin, is not breaking the rules as much as it is running from God. Running from God. Verse four, look at the sheep. It's lost, it's wandering from the shepherd. Jesus is saying something about our spiritual condition that lines up all throughout scripture. Isaiah 53 verse six says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. What does it say? We, some of you who are really bad people, have gone astray. No, we all, we all have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. See, Jesus is telling us that the real definition of sin. It's not just breaking God's rules and laws and commands, but running from God himself, wanting to be in control of our lives, wanting to be our own savior. See, how is this played out for the people Jesus is talking to? We see that one group is running from God by breaking all the rules, the tax collectors and the sinners. Those are the people that are running from God in this way. But another group is running from God by trying to keep the rules called self-righteousness it's saying that i don't need god in my life because i'm good enough and we think that that's enough and so the pharisees and the teachers of the law are the ones who are running towards their own self-righteousness instead of god himself because remember who's in that group god himself jesus is standing right in their midst and they're instead of listening and and, and learning they're, they're muttering to themselves They say to themselves, who is this man who comes and does these things? See, both groups end up in the same place. They don't think they need God. Do you see that? Can't you see how your heart and my heart are much like King Herod in the play Jesus Christ Superstar? There's this song, Herod's song, and in this song he says this about Jesus. He says, take him away. He's got nothing to say. Get out, you king of the get get out get out you king of the Jews get out you king of the Jews get out of my life get out of my life do you see that the posture of our hearts throughout our lives is not just oh yeah I'm going to go break the rules but it's you know what I don't need God in my life I can do this on my own and Jesus is saying that Our problem, our spiritual problem is much deeper than we realize is that we've been not just breaking the rules but running from God. Second, it shows us who God is. Look at verses uh, four through five. The second part of four, it says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Now, first, we have to ask, who's the shepherd? Well, Jesus is painting a radical picture here and giving a scenario that seems ridiculous to his hearers. This seems ridiculous. He says this. He says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Maybe. I No? I don't know. But he's saying, doesn't he do that? Doesn't he do that? One of the things about the leaders during Jesus' time is they were, they were called to be the shepherds of the people. And they knew that illustration very well because a shepherd took really good care of the sheep. Uh, we see that passage in Psalm 23 where it talks about uh, the good shepherd being God and God is the one who comes and, and not just uh, binds up the wounds of the, the wounded, but also uh, takes the, the sheep towards the uh the food and the water and all of those types of things. And so the leaders of the time, the Pharisees and the people were supposed to be the ones who cared for the people. But instead they cared more about themselves than the people. And what Jesus is giving them is this radical picture of a shepherd who goes out for the lost one. And this doesn't seem plausible or make sense to us, but it does to God. See, in John 10, Jesus talks about himself, and here's what he says. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he talks about himself in this way. He says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And here's what the visual he says. He says, the hired hand is the one who does not lay down his life for the sheep. He says, when a wolf comes to attack the people, the sheep, the flock scatters. And so does the shepherd. The man runs away because he's a hired hand, cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is saying, that's a hired hand, that's not who I am. The hired hand runs away from the danger and the trouble, but I'm the one who runs towards it. And listen to this, Jewish scholar Uh, One Jewish scholar says this. He says he, he saw here something revolutionary about the shepherd. He says, God actively seeks out sinners and brings them home. The rabbis agreed that God would welcome the penitent sinner. But it is a new idea that God is a seeking God, a God who takes the initiative. Friends, do you see that in the text today? This is a radical picture that Jesus is giving us here of a God who goes out and and is willing to put himself in danger because he cares so much about the sheep. And so the picture illustrates to us that it is a God who initiates. Who's the hero of the story here? This shepherd who goes out. And thirdly, we see then the critical point. Verse seven. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, lastly, Jesus gives us here this this picture. And the picture is not what's happening here on earth, but he's saying, here's what happens in heaven. This is a picture of what happens in heaven. Um, and, and so what he's saying here is, is ultimately like, you know, you, you f- focus and I focus on the daily tasks of what we feel like matters right here, right now, but there's something that's happening that's a lot greater than what we can see. And he says, if you want to see what the picture is, it's this, that there's a celebration in heaven because there's someone that was lost and then they're found. There's a sheep that was lost and it's found. See, many times what happens is Jesus is saying, we focus on this 99, we focus on the, the, the crowds. But Jesus is saying, I focus on the one and I'm looking for the one and I'm scanning the room for the one. That's the heart of God. See, not, not the massive crowds or mind-bending metrics of the 99. No, hell, he- heaven celebrates the one. Heaven celebrates the one. I want you to think for a moment. Like, uh, Carl Sagan went to space, wrote something called The Pale Blue Dot. He's talking about us. And in this uh, description of the pale blue dot, he talks about how. Um, basically all of these little specks from a distance, he said all of the little specks, all the little happenings on earth seem like from his distance. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. He says there's all of these little specks of people right now on earth as he's looking at the pale blue dot from a distance saying it, it, it just doesn't matter. It just seems so insignificant right now. And what this is telling us is that when God sees the pale blue dot and he sees you and me scurrying around throughout our daily lives and all of the things that are stressing us out in the moment, it's not insignificant to him, but he cares. From our vantage point, it seems like it doesn't matter. From his vantage point, it seems totally significant and it matters greatly to him. Do you see that radical picture that's happening here? Do you see the critical point that Jesus is making here as these religious leaders are looking at these people who in their eyes, they don't matter. They were on the outside of society. They messed up their lives. Who cares? Jesus is looking at them and saying, I care. And I'm here. And I'm walking with them. See, Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What's Jesus saying here? Why? What, what's, what's the miracle of the one? The miracle of the one is that as God comes after the one, that there's this amazing grace of all of it that as all of it seems insignificant, that it's greatly significant because God is looking and saying, do you see the grace of all of this? Do you see it, those moments where you feel like you've given up, that God says, I'm coming after you and I haven't given up on you even though you've given up on yourself? Even though you look at yourself and you say, I'm completely unlovable? Look at all the, the things and the failures that I have and look at all the ways that people look at me, but that God could look at you and say, do you see that I care? Do you see that I see you? Do you see that I love you? Do you see the miracle of grace in the one? Oz Guinness was talking about this, this idea of how even in the church, we have gotten so focused on the metrics of the masses, instead of the significance of the one. And in this book, he writes, he says, numbers and the mania for metrics are therefore a critical element of secularization. Basically, it's like it's not even Christian. (laughs) Crucially for Jews and the Christian, the Bible shows the link between statistics and self-trust. Called to be a separate and distinct people, our call is to the narrow rather than the broad way. When everybody is getting so wrapped up in the metrics, getting so wrapped up in the masses, getting so wrapped up in their uh, Instagram followers and all of these other things that we're on today, Jesus is saying, I see you in the midst of that and I care. There's the radical picture of a God who cares deeply. Deeply. See, the Pharisees only saw the crowd of people that were gathering around Jesus and they were filled with anger because those people weren't following them and listening to them. But Jesus saw the people in the crowd and was filled with compassion for each one of them. Was filled with compassion for each one of them. But not just the sinners and tax collectors. Friend, do you get this? Why did Jesus tell this story? It's because there's some friends that are muttering, There's some Pharisees that thought they knew about God and Jesus took the time and said, I care about you too and so I'm gonna tell you a little story. I'm gonna help you understand. I'm gonna help you to see that you need this just as much as these people that are hanging out with me right now. And so just some quick takeaways for today. How can I see myself or you see yourself in this, we call it the gospel story, a good news story the first one is this. Uh, the gospel is seeing my lostness. As I asked and said, where, where do you see yourself in the story? Where do you think that the, the Pharisees immediately went as they thought about themselves in the story? They're like, we're part of the 99. 99. There's no way that we're a part of that one. There's no way that's us. But do you see the point of it all? Jesus is saying, could you see yourself as that one? Because when you see yourself as that one, then you'll be able to see that I'm coming for you. There's a story that in the early 1900s, a London paper, The Times, uh, sent out an inquiry to famous authors asking the question, What's wrong with the world today? Christian author and thinker G.K. Chesterton responded simply, Dear sir, I am. Yours, G.K. Chesterton. What's wrong with the world today? I am when you can see yourself in that group of people that said, man, you know what? Actually, there are a lot of problems inside of me that are affecting other people too that actually don't make this world a better place but actually worse because of the things that I've done. But that there's a God that could love me. So so the first part is in this gospel message is seeing could I see myself in that one that was running? Because the second part is this, the, the gospel is learning to repent. It's, do you know the word repentance is not a bad word? It's actually a beautiful word. Repent is simply a command to turn around. It was, a, it, was a, it was used for soldiers and they would say repent and they would turn this way and they'd start walking in a different direction. And so friend, what are we repenting of? For some of us, we're walking in a direction where, yes, we're, our lives are filled with breaking God's laws and we don't want anything to do with God and we're running in that direction. And he's saying, repent, turn towards me. But for some of us, we're running in the direction of thinking, I'm a good person and I'm successful and I can do whatever I want to do with my life. And God will still love me and bless me and that's the direction I'm going to go and I'm going to hold on to what I can do. And Jesus is saying, can you hear my voice to repent and turn the other, other direction? Because it's not about what you do. But would you hold on to what God has done for you? That's the gospel. That's the message. It's learning to repent. It's repenting of not just my bad works, but my good works and trusting wholly in the work of Jesus. That's the message of Christianity. Thomas Wilcox says in all the scripture there is not one condemning word spoken against a poor sinner stripped of self-righteousness. Let sin break your heart but not your hope in the gospel. Let it Break your heart. You might say, man, I've been living this life going in this direction and, 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 and today is the day where I can turn around and see that God loves me and he's been searching for me and he's been looking for me and he's coming after me. But it's learning to do that and saying, will I continue to trust in what I do and just say, you know what, I'm just too bad for God to ever love me or I'm just too good and so I don't really need that Jesus thing. Or saying, you know what, I'm turning in the other direction and I see that his forgiveness is enough for me. Lastly, the last point, the gospel is reminding myself daily. Friends, this, is, this isn't like Oh yeah. Got it today. Gonna to keep moving on with my life. No, this is this is something that you remind yourself of every day. I have to I have to remind myself of this every day. Friends, when you when you when you're driving do you get a little touchy when somebody critiques your driving? Well, you're in the back seat. I'm up here. What what do you know? I I know what I'm doing. Do you get a little sensitive and upset and mad when um, somebody speeds by you and cuts you off? Oh, well, (laughs) well, what what gives you the right to cut in front of me because we're going in the same direction? What thinks you could get there faster than me? Friends, there are things that our ego attaches to on a consistent basis more quickly than it does to Jesus and what he says about us. Well, I'm better than that person. I'm not as bad as that person. Do you see how our ego just clings to something to make ourselves feel better? but Jesus is saying that the gospel message is not clinging to something that makes you feel better than another, more superior than another, or even lesser than another. But he says, will you cling to what I say about you? Paul Tripp says, preaching the gospel to ourselves is a spiritual discipline that is both proactive and reactive. It's reactive as we encounter temptation and frustration and seek to restock in the moment. Whereas we reflect back on our sin and circumstances and try to evaluate them with a gospel lens. But it's also proactive. It goes on the offense. When we feed our souls in some regular rhythm before the events and tasks and disappointments of daily life begin streaming our way. And so he counsels, he says, this is how you do this. Number one, gaze on the beauty of Christ. Man, Jesus is so amazing, so beautiful that he would love me and care for me. Look at the beauty of Christ. Two, remember who we are as a child of God. You need to remind yourself that you're a child of God every single day. Friends, when I wake up in the morning, I have to remind myself I'm accepted by God today. I'm accepted by God today, not by anything that I can do or try to do, but accepted by God because you know how much your identity just gets stamped into the ground on a daily basis? Third, rest in his power and provision that God could provide for you, that God could love you. And four, act in reliance upon him. I was sitting with a friend today, uh, This not today, but uh, this week. His name's Bob, and um, he's been my coach in the past, and uh, he asked me this. He says, what gospel framework are you working from? Like, what gospel framework are you believing today about yourself? And I, I think that's the question for us this morning. You know, like, as a church, what, here's what can happen. A church, we can get used to saying, okay, I know this. Yeah, I know Jesus came after me. Yeah, I know this whole message about Christianity. Yeah, I know this stuff. But it was once said, when the gospel becomes old news, not good news, you're on dangerous ground. And friends, we are all in that place where the good news of Jesus Christ can become old news to our hearts. Yeah, I know that already. And so, like I said, this series And Luke 15 is a heart check for our church. It's a heart check. Where are we at? And understanding first that we are that lost sheep that was sought after by God. To end John 6, 28 through 29, there's this group of people. They're coming to Jesus and here's what they say. What must we do to be doing The works of God. Good question. What must we do? Jesus flips it on his head. He said, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus, what's the checklist? Jesus, tell me, what do I gotta do today to be your disciple? What do I need to do to be loved by God? And Jesus turns it on its head and says, here's what you do, this is the work of God. Believe in him whom he has sent. Who's the good shepherd? The good shepherd's the one who came from heaven to earth to seek out the lost. And so are you willing to say, yeah, I need that. And what you're gonna find is that there's a shepherd that's willing to rejoice over your life. To rejoice over you like no one ever will or no one ever could. So much so that it says there's a celebration in heaven because there's one lost one that comes home. Have you come home? I hope you will. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this message, that it's not a message that you came to bring about good people and bad people. But it's lost people and found people. It's dead people and alive people. Lord, I, I confess, it was in a very dark place that you found me. And you set me in a new direction. And I know that today you want to do the same with those that are here. So, Lord, if we're part of that grace group of people that are found, we we see today just how amazing that is. And we could sing songs like Amazing Grace so much with greater passion and excitement because of what you've done. And, Lord, if we're that one that's lost, that's running, that by your grace you bring us home today. We thank you for this message. We thank you for the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.